Hello, Curvies. Ever been so mad, so frustrated, or upset you just pop off, blow your stack, vent some steam? Think back on a time you vented some negative feelings. Was it helpful or did it cause you problems? How did you feel about yourself afterward? I'm Mary Scott Hunter today on Bell Curve, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Rachel Briars and Liz Bashirs. Before we start, I want to thank our sponsor, Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon genuinely believes in optimizing teams and individuals. And if you like the things we talk about here on Bell Curve, consider that you might be seeking coaching advice. It's fine to get it here at Bell Curve on our podcast, but contact Higher Echelon if you want to take it a step for, further. You can find them at higherechelon.com. That's higher, E-C-H-E. E-L-O-N.com. Ladies, let's start with an initial temperature check on the subject of venting. Is it good? Is it bad? What do you think? All of the above? <laughs> I, I'm a verbal like reasoner. I'm somebody who has to talk about the things that are on verbal my processor. mind, the verbal processor mm-hmm. to be able to make sense of them. And it's all about finding the appropriate venue, I think. And I am notorious for, <laughs> for, not for finding the that. wrong venue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do you think, Rachel? Bad, good, neutral? Well, I'm going to give my my uh, circular answer that's really not, I guess, a, an exact answer, which would probably be a lot like me. But, you know, I have been thinking about this topic a lot lately, really within the larger topic of emotional intelligence dom- domains and competencies. So, you know, as we know, the father of emotional intelligence, Daniel Goleman, has written in his research that emotional self-control is an important skill within that EI domain of self-management. So where I think venting fits in, I've been trying to think about this, is that it's not really a good idea to deny or repress emotions, which I, Liz, I tend to do that. So that's kind of my struggle. But on the other hand, it's not really helpful, certainly professionally, to just vent emotions in certain ways, maybe blowing up at people or gossiping about things you know, you're frustrated about. So I think our topic today perhaps gets to Goldman's vision of self-awareness and self-control leading to being aware of what our emotions are and then learning to express them in healthy ways. And I would love to learn. So Mary Scott, take it away. Let's learn. (laughs) Well, let me tell you, there is so much out there on this subject. It was, and we're going to, I'm going to post in the show notes, just a couple of the articles that I'm drawing from today. But let me tell you, ladies, there is so much information out there. But a good place to start is psychology today. I, I pulled an uh, I pulled an article from 2014, so a little dated, but I thought it was still really good. And in that article, Six Virtues and Six Vices of Venting, Dr. Leon Seltzer says, any scrupulous appraisal of airing out your frustrations with others must conclude that its value, practically as well as ethically, is somewhat ambiguous. Undeniably, emotional ventilation has positive features, but just as indisputably, there are negative aspects as well. So I think that kind of resonates. Definitely does. I mean, I, I think I kind of always viewed it as a a neutral that has a time and place, but his research seems to say otherwise. Yeah, it does. And there's, again, there's just tons of information out there, but I I read another article from Future Mind Labs, a um, little more recent article from 2019, 
While the science has not yet reached a consensus, the evidence suggests that the venting may not be as helpful as many of us believe it to be. There is much research that supports the claim that venting is not a healthy way to release anger. Though in specific circumstances, it may provide some benefits for regulating emotion, it, it seems to depend on how you vent. And I think we kind of got into that in our, in our intro when I asked bad or good. It, it does seem to be how you vent. As people may vent in different ways, from writing a lengthy Facebook post to punching holes in walls, you know, there's just lots of ways to vent. Some of them good, some of them decidedly not good. So to better understand when venting is and isn't helpful, I think it's useful to consider the two main types of venting separately. So I want to kind of take this conversation into sort of specifics about venting, individual venting and interpersonal venting. I want to start with individual venting because I really think that's almost the, the easier one. Think forceful expression of emotion that really doesn't include social interaction, like the movie image is punching a wall or punching a bad guy or punching a punching bag, screaming into a pillow, shattering a vase, Scarlett O'Hara, you know, um, you know, that's, that's the kind of individual venting that, that we should, I want to, I want to start by talking about, cause I actually think that's a little easier. All right, ladies, truth time, ever done it? Did it help? <laughs> I've definitely screamed into a pillow before. But I almost almost put that in a different category personally than than the other kind of venting, which is just me airing you know, airing of grievances. To me, that's more of like a temper tantrum. <laughs> well, that <laughs> actually all these is a kind. I <laughs> well, temper tantrums are sort of venting. <laughs> yeah. So never threw anything. Never never punched anything. Never. Oh no, that, I feel like that's more of a guy thing. Really? Yeah, 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 for sure. I grew up with three brothers, and and they were they punched wall. They had to patch so much dry to drywall when I was growing up. <laughs> I have to confess, I have thrown a few things. Um, <laughs> just kind of had to let it go. Uh, didn't have to let it go. Shouldn't have let it go. But I have, I I have thrown a few things over the years. I don't think I've ever really hit anybody. I mean, I think I might've popped one of my kids on the top of the head, you know, <laughs> but maybe we should. <laughs> get your head on straight. Uh, I'm not sure that really counts as venting. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have. And um, the movie shows, you know, movies and TV, I think might, Oh, Rachel, you first, before we get into that, what it ever, ever vented that way? Not, not the inter, not the interpersonal talky type venting, but the totally individual non-social venting that doesn't really invite much conversation. Ever done that? Well, I'll, I'll laugh off of Liz's comment that that's kind of a man thing. Cause one of the funniest stories that we laugh about now, but you know, putting together a, a bookcase from Lowe's or Ikea or something back, you know, when we were living <laughs> in an apartment and Pepper, you know, is, he's really good at that stuff. But this particular bookcase just, you, you just couldn't get it to work. And we had been staying up. We just wanted to get this thing done. And uh, he, <laughs> he finally was like, Rah! I just remember him throwing the manual up in the air and, <laughs> and drop kicking the back of it. And it was just a cheap old bookcase. So, you know, the, the back of it, just his foot went through it and it got stuck. <laughs> but we, let, we tell the kids now about that. I mean, he doesn't do that oh, a lot. No. But it was just so funny. I I have a similar story from, not from my experience, but sort of. I was... Um, 
I was sneaking down the stairs as maybe a, I don't know, nine-year-old, eight-year-old, something like that on Christmas Eve. And my parents who were never good at putting together those sorts of things, were trying to put together a Barbie house that has 10,000 pieces. And I remember the words my father said, and I remember the crunch as he was crunching it back into the box. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I well, never did, got a Barbie house. I was about to say, did you or your sister ever get a Barbie house? No, no we never got a Barbie house. <laughs> I think, I think the real, I mean, if we're all being truthful, I think we've all probably vented in ways that are, you know, funny now maybe, or maybe not funny. I mean, those, that kind of venting can be a problem and it's important to know that it can be a sign of some things that are you know, absolutely not good. Um, punching a wall, for example, I read an article, 2020 article from Healthline that, um, you know, punching a wall can be a big deal. Um, we take, you know, we, we should take that seriously if that's kind of a, not a one-off kind of thing. Uh, I, I like this quote from that Healthline article. Movies and TV shows might have you believe slamming a fist into a wall or punching a bag is normal, safe, and a, sort, a normal safe way to release anger. But after all, because after all, you're not hurting anyone, but punching a wall isn't a helpful way to deal with anger. Not only will you hurt your hand and potentially damage your property, you might even get angrier. So that's interesting. Um, the There's research out there that shows that if you, if you, you know, if you think you're going to get your anger out by pounding the pavement with your running shoes or um, you know, or punching a punching bag or, you know, even things that you might think are pretty healthy. The, there's some research out, out there that shows that it really just makes you matter. You, did Pepper get madder when he stuck his foot through that <laughs> back of the bookshelf? Well, I, you know, I don't remember. We, I think we did end up laughing, but, but to link it up off of, off of your point, it is interesting. I'd say I kind of miss contact sports because now that I think back to my college soccer playing days and, you know, years after that, when I still played in adult leagues, I think it felt good to have a socially acceptable place to be physically aggressive and sort of hard scrabble emotional stuff out on the field that I I kind of feel like falls into this category of individual venting because it's not like I was saying anything to anybody. It was kind of individual, although it did involve other people. But, you know, now that I think about it, I remember getting mad at my, you know, I had a a soccer player teammate who was also a roommate. And I remember getting mad at her about something and kind of like taking it out on the field and, you know, cause you can, right. You can do that on the soccer field. Yeah. And, and I yeah. think it actually did make me matter now that you, now that you talk about it. Well, that's the interesting part of the research is that you, I think the, the, the movies and maybe our um, non um, researched opinion of it is, you know, s- you know, send your kid out to you know jump on the trampoline and they'll kind of jump their anger out or run their anger out or, you know, but the research shows that that, that that those activities you really got to deal with the anger you got to deal with whatever it is behind you know behind it that's making you need to vent and those activities may or may not be helpful I don't know that those activities are necessarily harmful I don't think going out and playing a hard game of soccer hurts you in any way I think that's probably a good thing you know maybe it takes your mind off of it maybe kind of gives you a little space away from the issue but 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 Punching a punching bag in and of itself, the research shows that that may not be helpful and it actually may be hurtful. So, and as they say in the, in our, in our lovely Southern tradition, um, that if you're punching walls, you might have issues. So 
So, so if you, if you are venting your anger that way, or if you're, if you have a loved one in your home, that's venting your anger that way, probably a good idea to sit down and have a conversation. Let's take the easier of the two and probably the more common, and that's the interpersonal venting, like a think some sort of social transaction. The research there is also prolific. So think just popping off, you know, to your spouse or, posting a Facebook page or sending an email, you know, writing an email and sending it or a text message, positive, negative. What do you think? I, I will say that I gave up uh, debating on social media a long time ago, but sometimes when somebody says something that is just so absurdly wrong, and when sometimes when somebody dares to be wrong on the internet, <laughs> I will still go into that comment section and type out exactly what I want to say and exactly what I think about that person. And then I just delete it. And it feels good <laughs> to get that, get those words out there, uh-huh. but not give them a home to hurt anybody or yeah. to start something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, that sounds pretty, pretty healthy or, or, or take the comment and and copy and paste it somewhere else before you delete it in case you want to post it later. How about venting to your spouse? Oh, all the time. And usually about work. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just so frustrated. Like that's how it always starts. Has it been helpful to you to vent to your spouse? So I don't know. And I think that's the hard part for me is that I, I don't, I don't know another option, I guess, of like, what, what is a better way to deal with this? And I, but I do know that sometimes when my husband tries to help, that doesn't, that doesn't help either. Sometimes I just need a sounding board, not advice. How about you, Rachel? When, where, whom, how do you, how do you vent? How do you get those frustrations out? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you had asked too, when is it a positive? When is it a negative? When is it a negative? Yeah. And I'd say I do. I do vent at times, you know, Mary Scott and Liz, y'all are both close friends. You have heard me vent right before we started the show. I started venting a little bit about our strange, strange happenings of driving down to a uh, a soccer tournament and getting stuck and our engine blowing and all of that stuff. So y- you all have heard me vent, but I'd say that even then, you know, between close friends whom I, I value and want to be close to, or, you know, Pepper, of course, I don't, in- I don't tend to enjoy venting negative emotions, particularly before I've really processed my thoughts first. Um, Mm -hmm. I generally feel worse after, but as I'm thinking about it, that is probably because I think I still have some growth to do in the area of being willing to be vulnerable, seen, wholehearted in that Brene Brown way that I do think is worth aspiring to, you know, being willing to set aside the perfect personal image I would want others to think of me for authentic relationships where people really do know you good bad and ugly but I think venting in that sense I do believe is reserved for close close relationships and can, mm-hmm. and in that context I think can be a good thing so for me at least you know if I let someone in on some of those negative emotions I'm feeling and vent some of it it means I really trust them or value their perspective so much that I'm willing to be that vulnerable so you asked when it, when has it been a negative? I'd say when I've spoken before I really thought it through, shared negative emotions in ways I regretted with the wrong person or with someone whose response made me feel even worse. When has it been positive? When I've processed how I felt first, said what I was feeling in ways that felt accurate to me with someone I trust and who could help me move to a positive place, not pour gasoline on the fire. Yeah, I think that that's the real danger of venting is that you really can just pour a gasoline and cause a, just a total 
conflag. I mean, it can just spiral and spiral when, you know, your emotions are involved. You know, if you're venting to the offender, they can get defensive. Um, if you're venting to someone who may not understand how to be a good listener, you know, that can, that can cause problems. But I think the most valuable thing that you just said is just, you need to process it yourself first, just a little bit. Now, if you're like Liz, I mean, I don't know, Liz, how does that play into your, you mentioned that you're a a verbal processor, you know, do you need time to process first? Definitely. And, and, and sometimes I really do need a person to come and, 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 put some empathy into the situation when I'm not seeing the other side of, of, of the problem. Maybe another issue that I, I know I struggle with in this is that sometimes venting can slide into that gossip area almost Mm -hmm. of, okay, I'm talking about the person I'm frustrated about. And then my, like the negative feelings kind of get all mixed up into it, into it's not objective anymore. And that that's dangerous and not good too. And I know we've talked about gossip a lot before, but it's, I don't know, it it really can turn into from a hopefully constructive wisdom seeking opportunity to a just, you know, wine fest. (laughs) W-H-I-N-E. Wine, wine, wine. Wine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a study, I'm, I'm going to read a quote here from a Future Mind Labs article, Is Venting Good for Us? There's a, a study suggested that when venting by engaging directly with the offender themselves, the response received plays a crucial role in either fueling or abating the venter's anger. If the offender reinforces, for example, by ascribing the situation to the offender's own uh, characteristics or behaviors, it may be unsurprising that this can act to exacerbate the venter's anger and escalate the situation. Alternatively, the offenders who interpret, for example, suggesting a consideration for their perspective as well as environmental circumstances can ease the frustrations of the vendor, of uh, the venter. So you can see that situation. You're, so you're at work. Somebody has just, you know, stepped all over you, stepped all over your toes. You know, probably not a good idea to vent in a, in a group setting, um, best to handle that, you know, privately, but, uh, you know, in a kind of off, off the, you know, out of the, out of the boardroom. And, you know, if you, if you, if you're going to do it, you have to be prepared, I guess, if this article is true. And I, I think there's probably, I think we've all been here that the vent, the, the person that is on the receiving end, the offender, you know, may just become, defensive they may ascribe the situation back to the one that's venting who is in no emotional state to to handle that alternatively let's say somebody's venting to you about you um this research would suggest that that there's ways that you can handle that you can take a moment hmm okay i'm not sure i see it quite that way here's how i interpret what you know what you're saying um have you, you know, I, I hear you, but have you, can you, you know, maybe consider this, uh, maybe consider this aspect of this situation, accepting a little bit of the, you know, of the, of the responsibility, I think goes a long way in one of these situations when you are, you are the offender. Um, but dodgy, 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 if you're going to vent to the offender, I think you have to be really careful. 
thoughts? To me, it really does all revolve around what is that venue and who is that person that you can be vulnerable with. And, and I think so, you know, so much of the places I struggle with are in work scenarios mm-hmm. and often there is no safe space for that. I mean, even going to HR about something is not necessarily a, a winning solution there either. So I don't know. I just feel a little bit stuck on like, what, what are you supposed to do? I think one thing we said earlier that, uh, that is also backed up by the research is taking a, taking a, a breather and processing it yourself, processing it and, venting to somebody, a third party who is not involved in the situation. One study found that venting to a third party, someone who was not involved in the situation that provoked the emotion could help you feel better. And even more so if their responses were reinforcing, emphasizing internal and controllable causes, such as the offender's naturally toxic personality, uh, rather than interpreting, uh, rather than reinterpreting the situation. Uh, let's see, anything else interesting here? Most of us have probably had the experience of being on the receiving end of these rants and may have witnessed for ourselves how after cycling through the usual responses of, oh, really? Wow. Mm, that sucks. Mm, hate that. The venter becomes more calm. <laughs> so if you think about it that way, it, it, it may be best because your employment, your bread and butter, you got to be careful with that. So maybe best to, to vent to that third party, whether it's a spouse or a best friend or, you know, somebody you can trust, a pastor, even a professional. You know, I I read an interesting article in Harvard Business Review about difficult conversations. It was called Emotional Intelligence Has 12 Elements, Which Do You Need to Work On? And, you know, I think part of the article that Daniel Goldman wrote was saying that, you know, we think of emotional intelligence as as some of those communication behaviors that are like, oh, tell me more, you know, just kind of being very calm and all, but that, that, that one of the main ones under relationship management is conflict management. And that sometimes mm. people who are perceived as abrasive or they jump right into difficult conversations that they actually are, are expressing a form of emotional intelligence. So I think kind of what we're getting at here is that we, we do have to be able to enter into difficult conversations. And that's probably one of the hardest, maybe even for women of these competencies, but figuring out what that right way is that isn't venting, but it's meeting it head on and having strength to problem solve. Well, I think that you're, you're getting to the, to the point that you, you, you just may have to have that conversation. Um, you may have to vent that that thing <laughs> that's going on. But if you can kind of let off the steam in a safe space with in a safe environment first, get it all processed in your head so that when you quote unquote vent or just talk with the offender, uh, quote unquote, maybe it's a, it, it, it is a conversation that is emotionally intelligent and not destructive. I mean, at least you can hope for that. It, you know, conversations have a way of going off the rails sometimes when, you know, when you, when you have to take a, when you have to have a difficult conversation and it's not anything to feel bad about when a conversation like that goes off the rails, because sometimes that is just what happens. You, if you need to have a difficult conversation, it, it, it might not be pretty. It really might not, but 
pop in the tea kettle a little bit before you before you get into that conversation, probably a good idea. So let's talk about what to do when we're the recipient of event, whether, uh, and this is not so much when we're the offender, this is just a, just, you know, somebody that trusts you and wants to, and needs to vent is coming to you. A lot of making this really work for the person that's coming to you uh, is about listening. Well, really just adequately listening, listening well. There's tons and tons of examples of inadequate listening, but we've all been there. You, you know, when, you know, you're talking to somebody, you're pouring out your heart and they're, you know, they're doing something else. They're watching the television. They're checking their phone. They're, you know, fiddling with something. They're, you know, they're doing something else. That is not a good way to be the recipient of an event. Ever been in that situation because you really need to get something off your chest and it is obvious that the person that you're venting to is just, they just don't seem to be listening to you? Yeah, and I think that's probably part of the reason I just don't enjoy quote venting I mean because if you put yourself out there and you already don't enjoy doing that and the person isn't interested or doesn't respond well or you feel worse afterward then yeah it's just I I don't I don't enjoy that at all but yes I think we've all been there yeah I mean we've and I'm guilty of it I mean how many times has somebody that you know I as a as a lawyer a lot of people will come to me and vent it's you know, they, they think of you as a, as a safe person to talk with, you know, it professionally can get a little tricky, but you, as a lawyer, they just, they, they, they believe that you will keep their confidence and, and lawyers should keep confidences in almost every situation, unless there's, you know, some, you know, some reason that you, you can't keep a confidence, but, you know, when I've, I've been distracted, I've been, you know, the phone's ringing and I, I allow myself to pick it up. I, I'm just so embarrassed uh, because, you know, when people come to you and they need to get something off their chest, I mean, you can recognize that this might be destructive if they go to anyone else. It could really be destructive if they go to someone else and they pop off to someone else. And so you may be the person that is keeping them from a, a, a mini disaster, a major disaster. You know, it, it, it's really important when you are the recipient of event to understand what you need to do for that person. Because presumably if somebody's coming to you, they love you, they know you, they trust you. So you have a relationship with them. I came across an acronym that is commonly used in, in counseling disciplines to teach body language that conveys active listening. And that's the point of this. When somebody's coming to you to vent, you gotta actively listen, not inadequately listen, actively listen. And the, and the, the, uh, acronym is SOLER, S-O-L-E-R. SOLER stands for facing them individually and squarely, squarely, SOLER, which means that you're facing the person, both head and body. So face them. Don't turn away from them. Don't um, sit sideways. Don't turn your back on them. Um, face them. O stands for open posture, which means your arms aren't crossed. I mean, think about it when you, when you're talking to somebody and typically, I mean, there is kind of an intimate arm crossing when you're kind of leaning into somebody, but usually when your arms are crossed, that means you're, you're not receptive. Um, So don't cross your arms. Open posture. L stands for leaning toward the person. Lean in. If you're in a chair, lean into them. 
to, you know, lean into the conversation. That's a, that posture uh, really shows the listener that you are listening to them. E stands for eye contact. This is crucial. Eye contact with, uh, with somebody who is uh, venting has a calming effect. And they know that you're listening if you're meeting them, meeting them, uh, make, making eye contact with them. And R stands for relaxed. So relax. Don't have these tough conversations. If you can get them to sit down, if they're, if they're pacing, maybe you can't get them to sit down right away. But if you relax, if you sit down with an open posture without crossing your arms and you make eye contact with them, they may pace a little bit, but pretty soon, you know, we've all been there. They relax. So what do we think about solar? I know that there's a person in this conversation who excels at solar. <laughs> Her name is Rachel, Rachel Briars. And my dogs are going off in the background. Sorry about that. Oh, my goodness. That's so nice. <laughs> Did you know about that term before today, Rachel? Or is that just something you naturally do? Oh, y'all are so nice. No, I, you know, it's interesting. I really value when someone trusts me with a little venting, I guess, or their negative emotions, how they're feeling. So I, I, I guess I am actually very interested. I don't feel like it's, well, let me caveat that I don't think any of us enjoy toxic people who that's all they do. You know, they are nothing but negative. And in those circumstances, I don't always do something like a solar. I've, it, you know, if you're always, always negative, then I think sometimes giving that person the undivided attention only makes that worse. Mm. But I think, you know, our friends and family and coworkers who are great people and just need to blow off some steam now and then. I'm always grateful when someone trusts me with that. You know, I love the connection that brings. And you know, you know the other thing about that I think is that I would rather I would rather know what someone is feeling, good, bad, whatever than not and have to guess. I can deal with anything if I know what it is. I feel like so if someone needs to get upset and do some venting, I I do want to be that good listening ear to them. So we're kind of getting to the end of the show here and I'm going to close with this this last piece um because there are some things that you should never, ever, ever do if you're venting, uh, if you need to vent. You should never do these things. If you are in a mood and you are just about to, you know, if the gasket is about to blow, you need to get control over yourself before you drive. Never, ever drive while when you're in that state of mind. It's not a good idea if you're really hyped up. Um, obviously, if you're a little upset, you know, everyone drives when they're a little upset. But if you're really hyped up and, and you're about to blow, don't drive. Don't overeat. Don't post on social media. We've said it earlier before, but that stuff lives forever. And that kind of along those same lines you know, maybe draft the email, but put it in the drafts for a couple of days. And, you know, if you just need to really type it out, you know, type it into a Word doc, write, handwrite a letter. You know, sometimes writing can be very therapeutic for venting, but, but don't post it on social media and don't hit the send button right then. Wait until you're, you, you know, you're really ready. Don't drink alcohol. Don't drink alcohol. If you are not in the right state of mind and you are just really about to blow alcohol is a bad idea and don't ruminate hard to do. I'm a ruminator. <laughs> like I roll it around in my head and roll it around in my head. And I, I will say that reflection is good. Understanding where, th- you know, we, we don't want to downgrade the things that are important about self-reflection and self-examination and understanding strength. So that's all, but, but, you know, if you, if there's a loop in your head about an issue that, you know, that's going on, 
you, you might just need to put it down for a day. You know, that might be a time to just hit the sack early, you know, that night. Don't drive, don't overeat, don't post on social media, don't write emails, don't drink alcohol, and don't ruminate. Just those are just some good basic things to don't do when you're when you're ready to blow a blow a gasket. Any last thoughts or anything about venting? Yeah, I read a quote from Tony Gaskins years ago that said, quote, never speak from a place of hate, jealousy, anger, or insecurity. Evaluate your words before you let them leave your lips. Sometimes it's best to be quiet. Unquote. And that, that has stuck with me because the times I've really regretted blowing a gasket have been when I've let my emotions get away from me. And I've spoken from a place of insecurity, which is so unhelpful in the moment, but also long term. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any final thoughts, Liz? Take a nap. <laughs> when I'm at the end of my rope, I usually need a snack and a nap. <laughs> Oh, I think that's the best tool in my tool shed. Can't beat Rachel's um, Rachel's wisdom and Liz's practical magic. So, Kirby's, it's great to be with you today, as always. Please support our show at patreon.com slash bellcurvepod. And we will keep bringing you solid, enriching content twice a month so that you are just a little bit closer to always being your best you. See you next time.